The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. Yes, we were formerly known as the Roto World Baseball podcast. So don't adjust your set or whatever you're listening to this on. You are in the right place. My name is DJ Short and I'm joined here as always by Drew Silva. In case you didn't know, we made the switch from Roto World to NBC, NBC Sports Edge this week. So this is our first episode in our new reality. And with that change, I, I had some freedom in what to name the show. And Drew, if you remember, we had some other finalists, but uh, I settled on a name that has some meaning to us. You know, circling the bases, of course, was the NBC Sports blog, which eventually became Hardball Talk. So even though things are changing, I think this show is sort of a fun callback in a way. Yeah, I forget what some of the other finalists for the names were. Um, they were I, good. They were good. But I think I think this this works for for multiple reasons. Yeah, obviously. it's a callback to that blog that you and I both contributed to for a while when we were pulling kind of double duty with that and Roto World, which yeah. we were younger men then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, for sure. But yeah, we want to keep these shows. These are our positional preview podcast. I think we want to keep them like, I don't know, is evergreen the right word? Um so I mean, it's good to have Chris and Colin like posting um, more newsy podcasts throughout these coming weeks. Like we got a, a busy couple weeks or busy several weeks ahead. Um, and you and I are going to be tackling these positional preview shows and then they'll handle kind of all the headline breaking news as, as we move into the start of spring training. Yeah. So like Drew said, strictly a position preview episode here. And we it's appropriate because we've officially reached fantasy baseball time the NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Magazine is in stores this week. The online guide is going live Friday, so a very busy time. If you want to check out the online guide, go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash MLB Draft Guide. Uh, so let's let's get into this. Uh, we're recording Thursday, February 11th, just to give you a reference point here. And we're going to kick off our coverage here uh, with a long look at first base. Uh, we're going to do one episode per position. And the hope is that these ep- episodes will be a reference point uh, for the weeks ahead during your draft, something you can listen to hopefully weeks from now. Uh, so, Drew, just to start things off here, how are you feeling about the state of the first base position? I, I feel like things drop off pretty fast as far as the sure things. And then maybe you could wait a little bit. Yeah, totally. It, I mean, it's always a fairly deep position. 
Um, but like if you were playing fantasy baseball in the early 2000s, you're used to like the premier sluggers in the game playing first base, and it's not really that way anymore. Um, it, you know, you see that in free agency, the way like first base DH guys are just not as valued. Um, there's power everywhere at every position. Um, there's no like glove only positions at this point in, in modern baseball. Um, so yeah, I mean, first base, there's, there's some sluggers, you know, there's some real power bats, but it's, it's doesn't have the depth of, of like overall studs that I think it, it used to have when, you know, fantasy baseball really started. And let's let's just touch on this briefly. Uh, there was a report this week that MLB basically essentially acknowledged that Rawlings is deadening the ball slightly. Uh, it'll be less bouncy or whatever the case may be. You know, they said it's it should just have a slight impact, but we we won't know until the season begins. Uh, but keeping that in mind, you know, that kind of levels the playing field. Maybe it forces you to look at some other players differently who may have gotten a little bit lucky in the power department. I'm looking at you, DJ LeMayhew, but uh, you know, I think, I think it'll make things interesting as far as the context of all these numbers that we've seen. And it was hard enough to evaluate 2020, but this just adds another interesting wrinkle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to think about that, that story, honestly, like, I mean, what are they going to do exactly? Uh, What effect is it going to have? And I'm, I don't think, feel like I'm smart enough to know like who it affects more. I've been reading up a lot about it. Um, and there are guys who look at like expected home run percentage. Um, and we'll get into a few of those guys, especially at the, the second base position, which we're doing next. You know, I, I guess we're trying to keep – we're recording two shows a night essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think for, for these first base guys, they're mostly, especially at the top tiers – they're, they're dudes who hit the ball hard and it shouldn't affect them as much like percentage wise. Um, everyone's going to be affected by it, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, we're going to have to get into the season to actually find out uh, what kind of effect that's going to have. Okay. So we're going to start this out with Drew reading his top 12 first baseman and we'll kind of go from there. And as we go through these players, you know, I'll say where maybe I disagree with Drew's list, but uh, the floor is yours, Drew. All right. Um, number one, first baseman, Greg Bird. Um, <laughs> Colorado. I know, right? <laughs> Just, yeah, obviously kidding. Um, <laughs> but number one, Freddie Freeman, uh, two, Cody Bellinger, three, DJ LeMayhew. Let's, I guess we should preface this too. These are all guys who are eligible at first base, so yeah. not necessarily pure first baseman. Right. I think if you play fantasy baseball, you know that. Um, n- number three, DJ LeMahieu. Number four, Luke Voigt. Number five, Pete Alonzo. Six, Jose Abreu. Seven, Matt Olson. Eight, Max Muncy. Nine, Paul Goldschmidt. Ten, Anthony Rizzo. Eleven, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Twelve, Alec Baum. Um, and it, my list goes deeper than that, obviously, but I don't want to bore the people and, and list off 20 names. Yeah, I get so, it. I say we just get into it. I mean, Freddie Freeman, pretty obvious. Number one, I assume he's your number one first baseman. He is, yeah. I don't know if it's like super easy, you know. Uh, I think if you're going maybe on upside, you maybe you would put Ballinger ahead a little bit. Um, with the power and the speed, you know, Ballinger could steal 15 bases easily with how fast he is. Uh, but I think there's more volatility there. And yeah. You know, I think when you're when you're picking early and, you know, Freeman might be a late first round pick this year, probably more likely he's in the turn 
you know, early second round. Uh, Bellinger probably in that area too. Uh, I always just want safety. I don't necessarily want the player who's going to have the most amazing season. That's not what I'm forecasting. But with Freeman, you're getting that consistency. If you know, 295 career batting average. Yes, coming off a career year, but you know, you can generally bank on 30 homers, 100 RBIs, 100 runs scored. He'll even steal a few bases too. He's not a complete zero in that area. And I still love the Braves lineup, bringing back Marcelo Zuna. So yeah. uh, I think if you want to play it safe, Freeman's the way to go. But there's certainly a case for Bellinger too. Yeah, Freeman, the National League MVP last year, 341 batting average, 1102 OPS, uh, 37 extra base hits in 60 games, which is pretty incredible. Led the majors in doubles with 23. I think the batting average really stands out. Um among like the pure first base options, like LeMahieu could probably hit close to that. Um, maybe Bellinger even too, but I, I think Freeman is like a, a lock to at least hit 300 and, and maybe quite a bit higher than that. I think, which gives you a pretty significant leg up in that category at this position. Plus, like you said, the potential for RBIs and runs scored in that Braves lineup surrounded by Ronald Acuna and, Ozuna's back and Ozzy Albies is, is definitely due for a bounce back in my opinion. Travis Darno, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley. Um, Freeman has 174 RBIs and 164 runs scored uh, since the beginning of 2019 and obviously with the shortened season. And I mean, it's an incredible pace, but I think he can keep it up. Yeah, you know, the top of that lineup is has clicked to an incredible degree, and I guess they'll be around now. Uh, with that Ozuna deal and and the Albies and Acuna extensions, and I think Freeman is going to get an extension soon too. Uh, so this could be a, a long run of of those four dudes playing together in that one, two, three, four spot. I guess we'll see where Albies hits, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Freeman just is just going to clean up with the counting stats. Not the biggest home run upside on the board, but just super solid all around. Is is going to really help you in, in four categories, everything but steals. So Bellinger last year hit 239, 12 homers over 56 games. You know, disappointing after what he did in 2019. And, you know, there was the weird stuff about him changing his, his swing or his stance, uh, injured his shoulder during the World Series on that home run celebration uh, and actually needed surgery on that. Um, and I, I heard the other day he's he's only progressed to taking one-handed swings so far. Um, I don't think there's any doubt he'll be ready for the season, but you know, just one more mark against him potentially if you're if you're splitting hairs between these guys. But um, you know, it was nice to see him uh, remain steady with the plate discipline that he showed in 2019. So I think we should feel good about that. And even though he did hit 239 last season. Uh, you look at baseball savant, his XBA was 284. Uh, so I don't think he's a 239 hitter. He might not be a 300 hitter necessarily, but I think the batting average will bounce back. You know, the lineup's awesome. He's a bit more dynamic than Freeman. Like I said, you know, he could steal 15 bases easily. Uh, so I think these are the clear one, two at the first base position, but it, it gets trickier from here on, especially, you know, you get to LeMahieu and I, I know people are going to knock him. You look at the average home run distance leaders. Like that's kind of what I've been looking at over the yeah. past few days. LeMahieu figures heavily in that. I can't remember if he's like third lowest or or whatever the case may be, but you know, he's still in the Yankee stadium. He's in the Yankees lineup. Uh, you know, he, he never strikes out. You know, I feel pretty confident. Maybe he doesn't hit 30 homers, but 
you know, he can hit 20. He'll score 100 runs, maybe knock in 100 runs too in that lineup. So I, th- I think he's going to be valuable. But the question with someone like LeMahieu, and we'll get into him at the sec- in the second base episode, maybe a little bit more, uh, is where do you use him best on your fantasy team? For me, I'm not sure it's first base. Like maybe second base is better, you know? So um, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit tricky with LeMahieu. Yeah, I mean, if you're in, in a snake draft where you're kind of just beholden to where your slot is, maybe you do use him at first base, but that's not really – yeah, that's that wouldn't be the mindset I would carry going into a draft. And, and if I'm selecting him, I'm thinking about using him at second base or even third uh, right. over first base. Then again, like second base is, is deep. It's not as like, uh, I don't know, star heavy, but it's deep. Um, so I don't know, maybe there's like hidden value there and, and we will get into that. What do you think about me having Luke Voigt at, at number four? Is that controversial? I don't know if like that's the, the, the Cardinals fan talking or <laughs> why would, why would a Cardinals fan <laughs> be rooting for Luke Voigt? Uh, why wouldn't you? Uh, I, I do root for Luke Voigt. He, he is from St. Louis. So, um, I don't think it's crazy. Uh, it's tough for me because I actually have Jose Abreu fourth, but I hated it. Like I, I, figured, I figured, yeah. I mean, I, I I think he'll probably be the second pure first baseman off the board in most standard leagues. Abreu, Abreu's uh, ADP on NFBC or NFC, whatever you want to call it these days, thirty six point four zero. So you're paying you're paying for what he did last year. You're you're essentially expecting him to be a third round pick. To me, that's just it's just too early. It's just too early, and, yeah. and that's that's even acknowledging like last year he uh, Abreu was elite in terms of average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, barrel percentage, you know, and he's in a great lineup. He's going to rack up a ton of RBIs, but you know he's thirty four years old. I, uh, you know, it could drop off at any time. You're going to be paying full price for what he did last year. It just makes me a little nervous where maybe you don't want to take another first baseman in the third round, but you could fill another area need and wait and get someone who could, you know, give you quite a bit of upside, you know, especially when you're looking at uh, Luke Voigt, 62.14. I was just saying with a Bray, 36.4. I mean, that's like a two round difference right there. So, yeah, I mean, there's no denying a, a Bray with the metrics and the baseball card stats both say it was, it was a great two months, but, it was two months. Like, is he a three seventeen batting average guy over a full season at age 34? I, I mean, I do think he should be at or near the top of the RBI leaderboard. Like once again, given what surrounds him in that white Sox lineup. But yeah, I just don't fully trust what we saw from him individually. Remember he got to, to face a lot of bad pitching uh, in the AL central and NL central. And, and you know, the schedule will go back to normal this season at least hopefully that that geographic based schedule stuff uh that we saw last year will have a, i think a bigger bearing on the pitchers once we do that episode um but it's worth keeping in mind for everybody like it was a huge advantage to be a player in, in the central um yeah. and I, I don't know the, the rbi upside with abreu is certainly intriguing but that's not a projectable stat for me you know like it's it's so teammate dependent and he does have great teammates um, but just g- going back to Voight, I, I mean, I'd love to see him come at somewhat of a discount, and it sounds like he is. I mean, he led the the majors in home runs last year despite battling a heel issue down the stretch. Uh, 22 homers, 52 RBIs in 56 games. 
He's got a 915 OPS since the Yankees acquired him from my Cardinals in mid 2018. Um, I, I just love the lineup around him. He's, you know, this is a large sample size of him being a, you know, a 900 OPS guy with huge power potential. Um, yep. And I, 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 don't, I think the heel issue is hopefully something that is, he can just move past. You know, if it's like chronic plantar fasciitis, we've seen that like tank the, the back end of Albert Poole's career. Um, yeah, I'm a little worried about that. And yeah. I guess I'm talking about that as someone who has plantar fasciitis. Oh, but, do you really? Yeah. It's something that lingers, man. Like, yeah. I, you know, I could go two months without feeling anything. And then I go run outside for a half hour and I come back inside. My my foot's killing me for a couple of days. Like, it's something that you think you might be passing. He did get a PRP injection during the offseason. He's already been running and, and spikes running the bases, says he feels fine. That was just a few days ago. But like, this is something that can crop back up and, and hamper you. And it's not something that just like goes away super easy. Uh, it's something that tends to linger and come back up. So maybe that's why the ADP slipped a little bit. I don't know. But I, I think it's a little curious that he's at 62.14. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, th- I think the power potential is huge, and the RBI upside there is just as good as Abreu, I have to say. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah. I, I had Pete Alonzo five, so I had Voight four, Pete Alonzo five, Abreu six. Th- these guys are kind of bunched together for me, though, if, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I agree, and and I f- kind of feel similar like with Matt Olson, even though I know he Same. hit under 200, but like, yeah, uh, you know, Pete Alonzo sort of a disappointment last year he came on really strong at the end and i have pete alonzo five um i have uh abreu four alonzo five void six so they they are kind of all yeah interchangeable like you were saying uh but yeah i mean alonzo came on strong toward the very end to end up posting like semi-respectable numbers 16 homers 817 ops over 57 games uh of course had 53 homers a rookie record in 2019 um so 69 home runs over 218 games um you know since coming into the league and last year you know still hit the ball plenty hard you know hits plenty of fly balls uh you know was adjusting to the dh spot last season uh so maybe that was like a factor because he seems to be someone that's very like cerebral yeah we talked about that emotional player yeah wants to be involved in the game so maybe it was hard for him to adjust to being a dh we still don't know if there's going to be a dh uh, this season, as of now, it seems no, but I still don't believe that. Um, yeah, I agree. So, I, you know, that could be more uncertainty with his profile going into this year. But like, you know, if I had to guess off the top of my head, like who's who's a good bet to lead the majors in homers this year? You know, Pete Alonso is as good as any guess that you can make, um, which yeah. is why I wouldn't let him slip too far, even though I even though I would compare him a little bit to Matt Olson and his power potential, too. Yeah, I mean, Alonzo, the, the home run upside, the increased potential in, in the more teammate-dependent fantasy scoring categories with Francisco Lindor coming aboard and, you know, to a lesser extent, James McCann. Um, yeah, I see him having a big year, age 26 season. Uh, this is kind of like the physical prime. Um, I, I know it's it's probably controversial to rank him above Abreu, who I had sixth, but I'm doing it, um, you know, because I'm a – I'm a hot take specialist. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, Abreu won't last past Alonzo in like any probably yeah. standard draft. But uh, if anything, you're just saying that you probably won't have a lot of Ho- Jose Abreu this year. And I yeah. probably won't either unless yeah. he 
he slips a little bit farther. So uh, I have Matt Olson seventh. I was just talking about him a little bit. And on the surface, you know, maybe this looks a little high because, uh, you know, I hit 195 last year, but still hit 14 home runs in 60 games. You project that out over 162, you know, that's approaching 40 homers, maybe. Um, 89.66 ADP for him on NFBC, NFC. Uh, with Olsen, the strikeout rate shot up to 31.4% last season. Uh, it was at 25.2% in 2019. Uh, the, the contact rate was well down as well, 68.1%. Uh, he was at 75% in 2019. Uh, but again, it, you know, it was a small sample, lots of weird stuff going on. I don't think he's ever going to be a batting average guy, uh, but he still hit the ball incredibly hard when he made contact. Uh, you look at baseball savant, Olsen was in the 91st percentile in average exit velocity, 82nd percentile in hard hit percentage, 84th in barrel percentage. And like I just said, it wouldn't be shocking if he produced on a similar level as Alonzo or Voigt. He could be a dark horse for the home run title in the AL easily. Yeah, I, I was so high on Olsen this time last year that yeah. I'm, I'm not going to drop him too far after a 60-game season. Yeah, um, That's just giving way too much credit to to those numbers. And yeah, he had that 195 batting average, but it, it came with a 227 batting average on balls in play. Over the course of a full season, you know, he would have found some better luck and, and the rate stats would have improved. Um, turns 27 in late March, has averaged 41 homers and 105 RBIs for every every 162 games played since the beginning of 2017. Um, I'm kind of disappointed that the A's haven't done anything to improve, uh, but I'm also not surprised. I still like that team. I mean, they're the reigning ALS champs. I still think the lineup's pretty dynamic. Um, Elvis and, Andrews not doing it for you? Not really. Uh, um, I, it's fine. Um, they needed something, but <laughs> uh, I have Max Muncie eight. Same here. Okay, and I I think this is this would sort of be the end of my second tier. Like Muncie just slips in there. Um, we both liked him a lot last spring. I know that before the world changed, and you know he went out and batted just one ninety two in two hundred forty eight plate appearances. Once the the regular season finally got going, had had a great postseason though like most of the Dodgers did, especially in the NLCS and the World Series. Um, and going back to batting average on balls in play, Muncie's was 203. Um, obviously, that's, that is a lot of bad luck. And like I said, there wasn't enough uh, time for those rate stats to recover from that. Um, still showed some power with 12 homers. He moved all around the Dodgers lineup, which is probably going to happen again. That's kind of the Dodgers – modus operandi but he does you know he gets turns in the number three spot in that cleanup and is surrounded by talent everywhere adp of 96 right now on on nf nfc uh, that, that's super enticing to me from a value standpoint i think people are dropping him too far i, I mean he, he was tremendous in 2018 and 2019 the thing about muncie that you have to take in a, into account is that he fractured his left ring finger during summer camp uh so yeah. you know you really have to put his numbers into context and, you know, especially look at something like his line drive rate uh, per fan graphs. He was at 13.8%, which is really, really low. Uh, he was at 23.5% uh, with his live drive, line drive rate in, in 2019. Uh, so, you know, an off season to rest that uh, coming back strong. I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to be a high average guy, but I don't see him hitting under 200 again. 
and still managed to hit 12 homers in, in 58 games last year. You know, power, on-base ability in a, in a really good lineup, great lineup, uh, multi-position eligibility as well, uh, second base, third base in some formats. Uh, so I think he's a really nice find late. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Number nine, I had Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, we talked about this on, on the episode where we were breaking down the Nolan Arenado trade that I think everybody in the top half of the Cardinals lineup probably deserves a small boost to their fantasy projections. Tommy Edmond at leadoff, Goldschmidt probably hitting second, then Arenado third, and Dylan Carlson or Paul DeYoung at four and five. I like all those players a little bit more than I, than I did before they got Arenado. I, I mean, it wasn't all that long ago that Goldschmidt ranked as the very best first baseman on the board. That was back when he was stealing bases, and he only has four steals in, in 219 games since that trade uh, to the Cardinals. He also hit just six home runs in 231 plate appearances last year. Uh, to, despite some pretty encouraging like metrics and rate stats, it's just Bush Stadium is a really hard place to hit homers, uh, which you know because goes to Arenado Arenado's case too. Um, but I see Goldschmidt being like a, a 290 hitter with a good amount of runs scored and RBIs. Uh, the problem is you can't really project him for more than a whole lot more than 30 homers. I, I think which which is an issue. Yeah, I mean, the plate discipline was awesome and, and kind of different than what we've seen over the past couple of years. 16% walk rate uh, brought his strikeout rate all the way down to 18.6%. Uh, he was at 24.3% in, in 2019. Contact rate was up. Line drive rate was up. So, you know, if he can be a high average, high on base guy, uh, maybe maybe he doesn't hit 30 homers again. Uh, but that's still valuable, you know, especially with uh, Arenado in that lineup. Uh, Arenado in that lineup now. Uh, you know, he he's not an elite contributor in like the areas that are power metrics anymore. Barrel percentage, average exit velocity. He used to be a monster yeah. in that area. Uh, so I'm a little weary to project even 30 homers. Uh, the stolen base is not there either. So he's not the Goldschmidt that I think maybe more casual fantasy players are, are used to seeing. But I still think there's there's value here. Basically, you know, he's not even necessarily being viewed as a top 100 player, at least kind of fringy at this yeah, point. Yeah, like just inside the top 100. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think he's a nice, like, safe player that you can get late here, and you you can pretty much generally expect him to be useful. 
and maybe like is less affected by the dead end ball, you know, just if he, if he's just going to be a line drive guy, like that's fine. Yeah. Old man skills. That's good. Yeah. Old man strength. <laughs> um, I had 10 Anthony Rizzo. Um, I don't know. As of this moment, like the Cubs haven't really done the full teardown. Like we thought they might after the U Darvish trade. Um, maybe the interest in Chris Bryant and Wilson Contreras will pick up this spring. We've heard rumors about Bryant to the Mets recently. We'll see if that comes to fruition. And um, Jason Hayward would seem to be a good trade candidate too, if anyone's willing to take on the final three years of that pretty bad deal. Um, but for now, that offense actually looks, I mean, legit. Hap, Rizzo, Bryant, Contreras, Baez, new addition, and Jock Peterson. Uh, Nico Horner maybe takes a, takes a step forward. Hayward had a good year at the plate. Um, so I don't know. Rizzo's not going to be a, a 222 hitter over a full season. Like there's no evidence of that. Um, that was his batting average last year in the shortened season. And I don't know, forever, for however long the Cubs keep the band together, there should be RBIs and runs scored for him to rack up. The problem with him is like, the, what's the home run ceiling at this point in his career? It's like probably 25. I would say it's definitely under 30. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a, and you know, if all goes well, you know, useful batting average, high on base percentage kind of guy. You look at last year, the the thing that stuck out to me, you know, 218 BABIP, 286 career BABIP. I think that'll probably bounce back over a larger sample. He had a strangely high infield fly ball rate last year. It was almost like 20%. I mean, that's not going to happen over a full season. You know, I think we'll see that bounce back. Um you know, batting average was a little bit strange. He, he was down a little bit in terms of, you know, all the power metrics, exit velocity, hard hit percentage, barrel percentage. But his max exit velocity last season was uh, 114.5 miles per hour, which is actually the highest of his career. So, like, he still has it in him uh, to be a force on the power front. Maybe not 30 homers, but 25, I think, is a reasonable expectation. And we know he has that elite plate discipline. So I think the batting average will bounce back and, Sort of in that's, I mean, basically him and Goldschmidt are like back to back as far as ADP is concerned. And I, I think that's probably a reasonable. Yeah, that's uh, probably right. Reasonable expectation. Yeah. Um, Vlad Jr. had 11. I had him. I, I'm really looking forward to another spring of wide variance <laughs> on where he should be drafted. I have him ninth. And I even there, I was wow. like, I don't even want to put him ninth. But see, you're, uh, you're usually more down on him than, than even I am. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I think I just put them ahead of Goldschmidt and Rizzo because, like, I think they're upside. Like, they're like kind of boring but useful. While I still think Vlad has that upside ability that I, yeah. that he hasn't tapped into yet. But like, I'm not gonna get him at in you know 90th overall, which is like maybe where I have him in my head. You know, like yeah. his ADP on NF, NFC right now is 56.35. There's no way I'm gonna probably have him. On most of my teams, I think, uh, you know, I will try to probably get Vlad somewhere on the off chance that he, uh, you know, finally realizes his potential this season. But he just hasn't earned it yet, and I don't understand why he's this high. Yeah, I mean, I'd be willing to to take the chance on a, a possible breakout in like the sixth or seventh round. Yeah, um, but I, I I can't see myself targeting him inside the top fifty. Um, he's definitely gotten in better shape. We've seen those pictures, but that was more about an effort to return to third base, which isn't going to happen anymore with you know, the addition of Marcus Simeon and at second base, pushing Kevin Biggio over to third base. And 
Like, is a slimmer frame going to help unlock a better launch angle? Uh, <laughs> has, has he been focusing too much on cardio? Um, yeah. His average launch angle last year was 4.6 degrees, which is like a ground ball most times. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for, for reference, Freddie Freeman at the top of these – at the top of these first base rankings had an average launch angle of 17.2 last season, Matt Olson, 19.6. And at the very top of that launch angle leaderboard, Mike Trout, 23.1, Jose Ramirez, 23.2, Vlad Jr. at 4.6. Like you get the picture. He's got to make some changes. Um, And I, yeah, I don't, I don't trust a a top 50 pick or even like a top 60 pick uh, to see if that happens this year. Do you remember when Vlad was coming up? Like, I, I feel like as a as a prospect, he was like one of the most scrutinized prospects we've seen in a long time, just as far as exposure. Like, we knew so much about him before he came up. Was there any talk about this this launch angle stuff when he was a prospect? Not, like, I don't remember, not I remember. that at all. No, neither do I. Um, you know, but hitting double A and high A pitching is a lot easier than hitting major league pitching. Yeah. I mean, um, we should say, like, Vlad Jr. hits the ball hard. I mean, yeah. he was in the 93rd percentile in hard hit percentage and average exit velocity last season. But yeah, I mean, the problem is too much of that's on the ground and that's not going to do anything in the power department. And through his first 183 games in the majors, 24 homers, 778 OPS. I mean, you can get that kind of production. I don't know, 100, 200 picks from now. You really yeah. could because there's so many first base DH types, like you were saying, that are kind of like bouncing from team to team all the time. Um, and that's kind of what we're looking at. I mean, Vlad Jr. will be 22 in March, so we do have to kind of grade this on a curve a little bit. Still plenty of time for him to get there. I'm not dismissing that possibility. Yeah, But you're paying for something that hasn't happened yet if you're taking him at 56.35, and I'm just not going to do that. Yep. I think we're, we're both on the same page and it's going to stink when he does break out and we don't have him. <laughs> That's true. So Alec bomb at 12, I mean, he, he got in seven games at first base last year as a rookie six starts. So I guess he'll have eligibility there on some sites. Like sites are doing it differently, you know, about their qualifications for if, you know, how a player qualifies for a, a specific position. Um, I think we can just like dig into his profile more when we break down the third baseman. So if you want a big Alec Baum breakdown, maybe just tune into our third base show. Is that cool if we just... Yeah, no, that's totally fair. So Um, yeah, 12 for me, I have Josh Bell. um, And his ADP is 166.7. So he's not getting any benefit of the doubt after his terrible season last year at 226. Eight homers, 669 over 57 games, 669 OPS over 57 games at the Pirates. Uh, now heads to the Nationals in a trade, which I love. Kyle Schwarber, of, car- of course, also added in the middle of the lineup there for Washington, which uh, they were lacking in firepower beyond Juan Soto and Trey Turner last year. So that lineup already looking a, a lot better. Uh, Bell actually didn't finish strong in 2019 either, but. Uh, All together, hit 277, 37 homers, 116 RBIs, 936 OPS. And that was just over 143 games. He didn't play a full 162. Now, Bell is one of those guys who has spoken about a lack of in-game video hurting him. Uh, We know that was not something that players could do last year for for multiple reasons. But uh, it was announced this week that that's going to return some element of that. 
that was confirmed. Uh, so that's really great news for, for Josh Bell. Uh, good news for J.D. Martinez, Christian Yelich, uh, you know, any number of players we don't even know about who may have struggled. Uh, but some those are some of the, the high-profile names. Uh, you look at the spike in the strikeout rate for Josh Bell, which is a little weird because he really hadn't struck out at that level in the majors or in the minors for that matter. Uh, the launch angle took a sharp drop. Uh, and the Nationals have talked about uh, a flaw in his swing that they've already found um and they're trying to fix that so i'm buying in on a a big rebound here uh with the nationals um you know the supporting cast there juan soto maybe hitting right in front of them uh, is getting on base you know 43 percent of the time uh so i think you know you can buy bell pretty late and i think there's a lot of you know profit potential at 166.7 adp yeah, I mean, you laid it all out there. I agree with everything. You go from hitting behind Adam Frazier and Brian Reynolds, <laughs> Brian Reynolds and Kevin Newman to, you know, hitting around Juan Soto and Trey Turner and Kyle Schwarber. I think there's some obvious bounce back potential there. The metrics and the traditional stats have both been ugly. Um, yeah. We'll see, but I think he's worth taking a chance on around pick 170. Um, yeah. I had him 13. I had Eric Hosmer 14. Uh, Hosmer's you know, his year over year numbers are so up and down. It's almost hard to trust that anything from the previous season will leak over into the following season. Yeah. Um, You know, and and as we'll continue to question again and again on these, these episodes, like how much stock do you put into anything from 2020? Uh, But his launch angle was at a career high, which is something we've been dying to see him work on forever. Um, And the hard hit rate, exit velocity, expected slugging percentage, all in the 80th percentile or above. The problem is like he has to maintain all that progress, Um, you know, and maybe he does and he'll, he could be the cleanup hitter for one of the best all around teams in baseball and the Padres. Uh, So the returns will be quite good on that, but it it also feels like we've been down this road before with, with Hosmer. I think this might be the first year that I may try to buy on Hosmer. And it's, it's been a long time since I've, I've done that. Um, you know, he did hit some more fly balls last season, which was nice to see. It was only two months though. So I don't know how much I really believe it, but like, even when he wasn't hitting the ball in the air, like he could still drive in a hundred runs. And especially in this, in this Padres lineup, which I Mm -hmm. like a lot, he's hitting the middle, you know, if he hits 300 and maybe 20 homers, he could drive in a hundred runs. And if you're getting him 136.45 ADP, I mean, that's, that's a great value. I think, I think this year I, he's someone I might target if I don't get the first baseman I, I want early. Yeah. Uh, I I think he's like a viable starting first baseman in a a 12 team league, which I I wouldn't have said that, you know, for a while now since his like breakout year with the Royals. Right. So Dom Smith, I had uh, 13th and he has an ADP of 104.89. Uh, he's been awesome over the past two years, 299, 21 homers, 937 OPS and 139 games. I don't know if this ADP reflects that and and maybe it should. I mean, baseball savant was kind of skeptical about his 2019 production, but that wasn't the case last year. Uh, he had a 304 XBA, um, and that was with the 316 batting average. So it bought that high uptick in barrel percentage. He was 86 percentile there. Uh, the hard hit rate also went up compared to 2019, you know, makes plenty of contact. He's not like a strikeout guy. Like maybe Pete Alonso is kind of riskier there. Uh, but the risk with Smith, I guess, is the the playing time. If there isn't a DH, 
Uh, you know, Dom Smith will probably play first base and Pete Alonso will DH if there ends up being a DH. But if not, Smith is going to be, I guess, the primary left fielder, uh, which isn't ideal from a defensive standpoint. Dom Smith is not a left fielder. He can stand there, but he's not a left fielder. Uh, so maybe he loses some late inning at bats. That adds up over the course of a season. Maybe loses some starts here and there too. Who knows? I think it makes him a little bit less safe, but uh, certainly I think he has the ability to outdo this ADP. Yeah, I had Dom Smith at 15, uh, Brandon Belt at 16. I wanted to rank Belt a little higher because he was really good last year and I think it flew under the radar. And I think the Giants offense might actually be kind of fun this season. Um, but Belt had heel surgery back in October, and there's a question as to whether he's going to be ready for opening day. So more of a wait-and-see guy outside of my top 15 for now with the potential to move up if you know if he does wind up getting into some Cactus League games by like mid-March. Yeah. Um, I wanted to highlight Jared Walsh at 17 too. Uh, uh, this is me possibly overreacting to a small sample from 2020. Um, Walsh batted 293 with a 971 OPS and 108 plate appearances last season for the Angels. Finally translating some of his great offensive numbers from the upper minors into tangible production at the major league level. Uh, in 2019 at AAA, he had a 325 batting average, 1109 OPS, 36 home runs, 86 RBIs in 98 games. He's already 27 years old and it's like just kind of starting to hit the scene, but he wouldn't be the first late bloomer in baseball history. He's a left-handed hitter, but he can mash against both lefties and righties. Actually had a better OPS at AAA against lefties. Uh, I think he'll be the Angels' primary first baseman. There is maybe a playing time concern there. They've got to you know, figure out how to get Albert Pujols in there and Shohei Otani, um, but I don't really trust the health necessarily of either of those guys. I think you know Walsh can play a little corner outfield as well if necessary, um, I think he'll be in the lineup pretty much every day and he hasn't been a great on base guy in the majors yet, but he was in the minors and that could mean a good lineup spot, possibly like in, in the two hole ahead of Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon. He's a sneaky guy that I think could really pop this year. And I know a lot of other fantasy analysts really like him late. Yeah. I mean, he, he was actually my sleeper in the online version of the draft guide and, and the magazine, which you can, you can get now, uh, Go to NBCSportsEdge.com uh, to check that out. Um, but yeah, I, I like Walsh as well. Really massive improvement in his contact rate last year. I know it was a small sample, but you know, based off of what he did in 2019, where he he struck out, I looking at the numbers here. Yeah, 35 to six uh, strikeout to walk ratio in 2019, uh, and struck out just 15 times yeah. last season. So uh, huge improvement there. Of course, with the power, nine homers. Uh, I'm into it there. Ryan Mountcastle, I think, is interesting. Yeah, uh, was really impressive in a small sample. You know, gets to call Camden Yards home, other AL East ballparks. I don't think he's like a 30 homer hitter, uh, but you know, he could be like a 275, 20 plus homer guy. Uh, you know, I think the Orioles lineup, even though they've gotten rid of some pieces, could be pretty good. Um, you know, especially with Trey Mancini coming back, who's another name maybe we should talk about too. Uh, you know, missed the entire 2020 season coming back from, or getting treatment for colon cancer. But, uh, you know, he's already working out in, in Sarasota. And, you know, he expects to be good to go for spring training. And uh, Mancini hit 35 homers in, in 2019. Uh, yeah. So we shouldn't forget about him. And in fact, we should be rooting for him all the way this season. So 
Uh, you know, I can't wait to see him uh, this spring. Uh, Nate Lowe uh, was traded uh, from the Rays. You stole my guy. You stole okay. him. <laughs> Sorry. Another sleeper if you're looking late here. Big left-handed hitter, six yeah. foot four, 220 pounds. Uh, you know, put up great numbers in the minors. Never really got like an extended chance with the Rays. Uh, but, you know, when he did play, like it was kind of up and down, maybe a little bit erratic, but 11 homers, 77 or 770 OPS over 71 games in the majors so far. The barrel percentage, really intriguing. Yep. Uh, the plate discipline in the minors was really good. Uh, you know, 421 on base percentage over 93 games in AAA in 2019. Granted, that was with the supercharged baseball, but, you know, I think he's better than what he's shown in the majors so far. And I think there's serious breakout potential. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who has an ADP 334.32. So you can basically get him for free. Yeah. Uh, 2019, like you mentioned, at, at AAA, 929 OPS, 16 home runs in 93 games. In 2018, between high A, double A, and triple A, a 985 OPS, 27 homers, 102 RBIs, and 130 games. I see him being like a popular waiver wire ad at some point. Like he's going to have a, a big couple first weeks of the season or something. Um, Miguel Sano, I, I think we have to touch on. He's I was like, about to say his name too. So, I mean, he's so frustrating and he's going to hurt you in batting average, but he makes incredibly hard contact when he does make hard contact. And he's somehow only 27 years old. Um, mm-hmm. If he can stay healthy and, and maybe cut down on the strikeouts a bit, he should far outpace his ADP, which is like pick number 200 at the moment. Wow. probably bet in fifth in a power pack twins lineup. He, he has to stay healthy and that's been an issue th- for him throughout his career. But yeah, um, I mean, he could be a 40 homer guy if he gets enough. He could that. outproduce Matt Olson. Like, I, I mean, he really could, and you could get him a hundred picks later. Yep. I mean, it's just it's, not, it's not a crazy thought. Yep. Reese Hoskins is another interesting one. Uh, I know he had that elbow surgery, which wasn't Tommy John. It was like a primary repair surgery, which, you know, players can come back faster. I think there's a decent chance he'll be ready for the start of the season. And maybe we'll know a little bit more in a, in a couple of weeks, but uh, 10 homers, 887 OPS over 41 games last season. Never going to be a batting average guy, but I like the power. I like the home stadium. I like the lineup. He could be a top 15 first baseman too. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've liked him in previous years. I, I don't think I'm going to go there this year just because the uncertain health, uh, but maybe like, middle of the season his adp was a little bit higher than it was one, yeah, i was a little bit surprised yeah 168 which it, maybe it's just a name recognition thing but I, I think there's some question marks for him at least at the start of the season um renato nunez is kind of intriguing we usually don't talk much about guys who, who have to settle for minor league contracts but landed with the tigers on one of those after getting released by the orioles uh to I guess like what were they doing freeing up space for rule five draft picks or something I suppose so yeah, yeah. Um, but he should be the everyday first baseman now in Detroit maybe mixing in a little DH time too. 43 home runs since the beginning of 2019 26 years old I think he's a, a nice deep sleeper uh, Carlos Santana too man old reliable uh, didn't have a great all-around showing in Cleveland during the shortened 2020 season but still got on base that had a good clip like he always does Got a two-year, $17.5 million deal from the Royals. and I love that Royals lineup. It's I know. Like, it's like a fun team. Dude, yeah. A lot of those guys are, are fun. I mean, they obviously have a bunch of different holes elsewhere, but that lineup's going to produce some some exciting fantasy numbers. 
So a prospect we should mention, I think there's only really one that's, you know, super standout. Andrew Vaughn with the White Sox uh, was selected third overall in 2019. He was considered the, the best pure hitter in that class. And it's not often you see a first baseman drafted that early, uh, which I think speaks to, you know, his potential here. Uh, right-handed hitter, six feet tall. He's not super huge or anything, 215 pounds. I'm not sure we're going to see like monster power here. He's not like a 40 homer kind of guy, uh, but a very good hitter on base skills. I think he's there's a really good chance he's one of the first big time prospects called up this year, maybe late April, something like that. Sometimes we see a wave of those guys. Do, do uh, we see a, a a spring training extension kind of thing? Oh well, it's possible the White Sox have you know have done that. Um, yeah. I wouldn't rule out that possibility. I, they, I really wouldn't, especially because yeah. the White Sox have a vacancy at you know in the DH first base spot area, which I think they're envisioning he'll fill that you know in short order. Um, I think we're going to see him pretty pretty early on. I agree with you, and uh, I mean there, the injuries can happen too. Like a spot could definitely open up for him. He should definitely be on radars. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think that's all I have. I could talk about a bunch more first. Yeah, baseball. Chris. Let's just throw names out there: Christian Walker, uh, Joey Votto, Bobby Dalbeck. I think Evan White could take a step forward. I don't really see him being a, a big fantasy contributor, more of a defensive first baseman. Right. Um, Yuli Gurriel. I, yeah, I mean. We, we could go on and on, uh, but I think we've touched on most of the guys who are, are very fantasy relevant, at least in standard leagues. Right. So that completes our first base preview. Stay tuned on Monday for our next episode, which will be a breakdown on the second base position for the 2021 season. Now, if you like what you're hearing with this show, Circling the Bases, remember that, our new name. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Silf. Be safe out there, and we will see you next time. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean Every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.